Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by another amazing artist. We have the playwright Chris Eli Black, whose new show, The Former Kings of Clutch City, is just coming off its performance at the Downtown Urban Arts Festival here in New York City. We are so honored to have Chris with us. So Chris, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Yeah, thank you. I am so happy that you were here. I'm so excited to learn more about your show, The Former Kings of Clutch City. As we were just talking before we started, you know, we had just discovered the Downtown Urban Arts Festival this year. And the shows that we did see were fantastic. They're from all walks of life. And I was so happy that you reached out and... I mean, the title alone has already hooked me. So could we start off by having you tell us more about your show, The Former Kings of Clutch City? Yes. So the show kind of tells the story of this group of high school students in Houston, Texas, high school students of color, black and brown high school students who are kind of dealing with the repercussions of losing a friend who has taken his own life. And they're kind of dealing with that grief. Um, and we see kind of the different ways in which they grieve and the different ways in which they deal with that loss. Some do it in the more traditional way, but they all do it in a way that isn't necessarily healthy. And, and they all do it in a way that shows that they haven't had conversations about how to handle something like this. And they haven't had access to the resources or the education on how to deal with something like this. So not only does it focus on on how they deal with their loss, but it deals with things like their own mental health. It deals with things like masculinity. It deals with things about how society kind of teaches certain people that if they are struggling, then it's their problem or their fault when it's obviously not. But so it, it deals with a, a whole lot of that kind of stuff. It deals with the conversations we don't have. It deals with why suicide rates in black and brown communities continue to rise at insane proportions each year. And so that's really what the show is about. I just focus on this this group of high school students who are just really just trying to figure it out in their own ways and deal with their own healing and traumas and futures during this really tense, extreme time in their lives. Wow. That... <laughs> That's heavy. I mean, I hate to say it. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that this is not a far-fetched. I mean, even I, I can relate to something like this. I want to know, how did you come up with the idea for the show? Yeah, I mean, well, the idea from for the show came from growing up in Houston, Texas and going to high school in Houston, Texas. And it, it, having kind of moments come back to me in which, which they kind of played in my head and I said, oh, we did not handle that how we should have handled that. Oh, we didn't react to that the way we should have reacted to that. Things that, you know, conversations I had in groups of people, things that I saw that now as an adult on the other side of it, I would deal with in a much different way. But at the time, I just didn't, I just didn't know. I didn't know how. I didn't know what I should be doing. So I went with kind of the adolescent way of decision making. And so being able to look at that from the other side immediately made me, you know, start building the story. And it's a story built 
you know, kind of weave together with experiences from high school and people that I knew and people that I know and, and myself. But I think it was also what you just said, which is, I think I always ask the question, why am I doing this? And why am I writing this? And, and if the answer is, because it's cool, then you're right. I, I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't sit down and really do anything with it. If it's all oh, because it's like this thing that I like, it's no point in me sitting down and doing it if it already exists in some form. So the fact that I didn't have a show like it in high school was a huge component in why I sat down and wrote it. You know, I wasn't a theater kid. I, I didn't do theater in high school. And I always say, you know, if there were shows, certain kind of shows that I was exposed to or that I knew existed, maybe I would have done it in high school. Maybe I would have kind of leaped into that kind of stuff earlier than I did. If I knew that, that the stories that were being told reflected my experience and reflected what I was going through at the time. So, you know, the greatest hope, both in you know, in any performance of the show, and, and we saw this kind of begin to manifest this past Saturday night when the show went up is that it begins a conversation that people see themselves and they see family members and and they have this emotional response to it and you know I I, I hope it goes beyond that and I hope it goes beyond just an audience I hope that high school students do find it I hope that maybe it gets performed in a high school one day or to a high school audience at some point because I, I feel like it's it's a story that we need and i'm not just saying that because i wrote it oh it's you know we need this thing that I, I i truly think again especially with the reaction that the show has already received that it it's, it's a necessary story to tell and we need more of them because i think that at least in my experience and in my belief any kind of art can save lives because it allows us a way in that we didn't know existed and it allows us to see that we're not alone in the things that we're thinking or feeling or struggling with or interested in. And it kind of gives us a sense of community, even if it's not one that we can reach out and touch. So, so I think stories like this and conversations like this, again, especially in communities of color, are really necessary because we just don't see them and we just don't hear them. So that's where it came from. It came from my own life and it came from a desire to, to save lives. I love that. And 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 a thousand times emphasis on all of that art can absolutely heal. Absolutely. So building on that, when did you start writing this and, and start this project? Yeah, I wrote the show. I want to say, I guess it was end of 2021 is when I wrote the show. I want to say it was like December 2021. I feel like it was the last show that I wrote in 2021. And so it's essentially been getting done for the last 18 months, roughly. What has it been like developing this work for that time? Oh, it's been great. Yeah, I, I kind of, I wrote it and I kind, and they had like a virtual thing off of the draft that I had wrote. But then last year, probably last December, I went back to it. And I said, okay, what what can I chop in this? Because like I need to make sure that the point of the show is coming across, that it's not getting blocked out by any, you know, anything extra. So the development is really interesting because it was a play that started out at X number of pages. And then I was able to, you know, take off probably 20 pages worth of material last year just coming in one I think it's always great when you come in and you look at a show as a little more of a developed 
writer, developed artist, because I do believe each year you get better. So looking at something I wrote in 2021 and 2022, I was able to say, okay, I don't need this. I was only doing it to try to get to the end of the play quicker. And, and so I was able to condense it and make it tighter and, and a more concise piece, which then gave space to me to add things. Um, like a whole new scene was written for the festival because I realized that two characters only had one scene together and they sh should have more. And so it gave birth to a new scene that, you know, the performers just knocked out. And, you know, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the show now. So it's been an interesting development kind of process with it because there's been a lot of subtractions and, and additions to it. Very cool. So what is the message or thought that you're hoping the audiences will take away from the former kings of Clutch City? I always say that I want audiences to walk away from things that I've created just asking questions. Because I, I feel like if you walk out and you just have a thought, thoughts leave as soon as you walk out the door. I want audiences asking questions. I want audiences questioning themselves. I want audiences asking how they've fallen victim to the issues or who they know that have fallen victim to the issues and topics that the show's presenting. But I also want the audience to ask themselves how they're complicit in the issues and the topics that are being discussed. You know, I, I did a little speech after the performance this past Saturday and I said, when you walk out the show, yeah, I want you to talk about the show. Yeah, I want you to talk about the story. But I also want you to text the friend that's always smiling. And I want you to call the friend who you haven't talked to in a while. And I want you to check in with yourself and, and, and you know, put love in front and put care in front, both to self and others. So I really just want people walking out doing that and asking those questions and giving themselves kindness and giving themselves space to feel things. And and hopefully, because I'm sure there are some people who who don't who don't know the resources that they have at their disposal. And who have been kind of going through things in silence. So, you know, also hopefully the show lets audiences walk out and reach out to someone or start a conversation with someone or, or, you know, seek assistance or counseling in some way. You know, there's, there's a lot that I hope people walk out with, but most of all, I hope they, I hope they just walk out with a better perspective on things. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's, again, the power of art, how art can reach out and touch us and really right. change and help us heal. So mm -hmm. I love that. My final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to the show? Oh, that's good. I hope that people who usually don't have access to shows have access to the show. I mean, you know, we can't have a conversation about theater without discussing, you know, how insanely expensive it is to see theater and to experience it. You know, and I think that goes into a deeper discussion that, that I constantly juggle with, and that's that, we can't begin the convert. We can't stop the conversations of diversity on stage. We can't say, okay, well, we have diverse bodies and stories on stage. Cool. But when the audience doesn't reflect that, then only half the job is done. You know, theater is a business at the end of the day and ticket prices are inordinate and it blocks out a lot of people and it blocks out the people who 
I write about, unfortunately. I write, I tend to write about people who are living, you know, quote unquote, on, on the margins of our society. And the people who are living on the margins or who are marginalized, rather, don't have kind of the open air in their wallets to even spend $25 on a ticket. $25 is a meal. To some people, $25 can stretch to a couple meals or a few meals. They don't, they can't spend that on a theater ticket. They can't spend that on, you know, to go see a show. So we need, so one, I think that's a conversation we need to have about diversifying the audience because more theater makers who aren't all coming from the same camp is not going to happen if we don't expose it to others. Because I feel like, you know, the next generation is probably sitting in a classroom right now, not knowing that they're the next generation who can do this thing. So I really hope it reaches people who theater doesn't usually reach. And I hope it reaches people that don't think theater is for them. Again, I was that kid. I didn't think theater was for me. I knew I wasn't going to be dancing on a stage. I knew I didn't have the voice to be in musicals. And that's all I thought theater was. I thought theater was dancing and singing. Two things I, I tend to only do after a certain amount of substance consumption. So I, I wasn't going to just do it. And it wasn't until I sat down and began writing my own notes like, oh, this this could have been exposed to me. There was just no one writing my story. So I think that, you know, I, I, I hope the audience that sees it, the audience that the story is about. want to switch things up now and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better and i want to start by asking you what or who inspire you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you or are even some of your favorites yeah i mean i think i have my kind of playwright wise i think i kind of have my mountain rush more which are just kind of people who do it kind of the way i do it or that I admire in, in the stories they tell and, and the people that they tell stories of. So obviously you have people like August Wilson up there. You have people like Sam Shepard and, and, and John Patrick Shanley and Lorraine Hansberry and Stephen Adley Gurgis and individuals like that. But I find that my influences go way beyond theater because, again, I wasn't raised on it. So yeah, I was raised on, on a lot of music. So I when I... I'm trying to find ideas. I listen to a lot of music and that helps a lot and gives me a lot of ideas and gives me ideas for dialogue and, and all things. So, you know, I'm just as inspired by August Wilson as I am Kendrick Lamar. And I'm just as much inspired by Sam Shepard as I am Lauren Hill or people like that or Elton John or like anyone. And, and as well as film, you know, I think that I wouldn't be a storyteller at all if I didn't see Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing when I was like 12. And that was like the first time that I was like, oh, you can make things that just sound like you. And you don't need to subtitle your slang so that a general audience can understand and seeing, okay, you can write something that is very much your community and your neighborhood. And if it's good enough, 
it translates itself. And so, yeah, all those voices, but also anyone who like wakes up and makes something inspires me because it's not an easy thing to do to wake up and say, I'm going to make something from the ground up. I mean, that's planting a crop that you don't know if it'll survive. If you don't know if it'll do anything or if it'll end up under your bed or in a trash can. And yet thousands of individuals every day wake up and commit their lives to it. And that in itself is inspiring. But also my family, I got really, you know, I got really fortunate and, and lucked out on a family that's extremely always been and so that inspires me to keep creating because i i've always had permission to do so i've always had permission to dream and, and that kind of instills me with something and a family that is greatly sacrificed for me and greatly done everything that they could to make sure i had clothes on my back and food in my stomach and and opportunities to have a future and you know so the way i see it i'm going to create and make as much as i can because that inspires me too. Yeah. So just a lot of everything. Every, the answer is everything, Andrew. <laughs> I love that. What a great answer. I know you've been really busy with the former kings of Clutch City, but have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I've seen a lot of things from like colleagues and friends of mine. And that always really inspires me. I was in New Orleans at the be like beginning of the month. Uh, mid-June with a show and I had a couple colleagues who also had shows and it was just yeah a beautiful celebration so seeing their work alongside mine or not alongside mine but premiering kind of in the months leading up to mine that was a gift that was a gift but there's a lot of great shows that I want to see that are out right now and a lot of people doing really really exciting things. Yes, it's a great time for seeing theater this summer, especially off and off off Broadway. This is the time to head oh, yeah. outside of the theater district and just take in the city, which is great. That's why I love the summer in the city. Yeah. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? The community. The community. I've, you know, doing it the past few years, I I'm happy to say that I've created a community and I've created a kind of pseudo family outside of my own that is always there. It's always, you know, for this Clutch City with, with Downtown Urban Arts Festival, the entire cast are just people that I know and that I just texted. And I was like, hey, want to do this? And they're like, yeah. And it helps that, you know, that community is always extremely talented. And, and I think that Again, that goes into a conversation about theater, extremely overlooked with their talents. So the community aspect definitely always, and is always growing. Every time you work with new people, every time I work with someone new that just blows me away, it's like I, I, I draft them onto my NBA team and to the point that I feel like I have the all-star team now. Like, we're good. We're winning. We're getting it. So definitely that, meeting the people, the collaboration. I love collaborating. I, I don't know what I would do without collaboration. I You know, in the space with directors and dramaturgs and actors and, you know, anyone, stage management, you know, having just conversations with those people in a room that's when the best ideas come. The best ideas have never come when I'm sitting alone in my room on my laptop writing the thing. It always comes when someone says, I 
I have a thought on this page or I have a suggestion or I have a question. That's when the play becomes the play. So I love collaboration. I love community. I just love the C's, the letter C's in it. Community, collaboration, and creativity. The, the collaboration, com no, conversations. Okay, we're just gonna do four. We're gonna do four now, it's early. Uh, we're gonna do conversation, collaboration, community, creativity, the four C's that I enjoy in making theater. I'm totally stealing that though. I love that. And that is a great lead into my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory. Now this is becoming therapy. My favorite <laughs> theater memory, I would have to say, because I didn't, do theater in school but i did do a performance in fourth grade because my fourth grade class for some reason my it was around the time like the lightning thief books had just come out and so my fourth grade teacher was like we're just gonna study mythology all second semester and so we did and it was great and it was something i was really interested in at the time and so she decided i don't know how i don't know why but she decided that kind of the end of the year project after this months of studying Greek mythology was going to be a play and that each of the students would pick a god or goddess of their choice and would write what I now know was a monologue about them but I'm sure she could call it a speech is what I remember and so she had a list of gods and goddesses and in fourth grade I was the size of an ant and so I and I was very shy so I just let everyone pick their gods and goddesses first so by the time I got up to the list all of the cool ones were gone there was there was nothing no names that i recognized and then i my eyes fell on pegasus and i was like i know pegasus i know what pegasus is and so i said i'll be pegasus which of course got a great laugh because everyone's like you mean the pony and then i went home and again this is a testament to the to my family and, and the home i was raised in and we were eating dinner and and i told my mom she was like you know she always asked what we did in school and I told her you know well we're doing this little show about mythology and she said cool who are you playing is it Zeus Poseidon you know who, who is it and I said well, you, you know it's, it's Pegasus and she said what I said yeah, it's Pegasus she said the, the horse with wings I said yeah she was like well if you're gonna be Pegasus you're gonna be the best damn Pegasus that has ever Pegasus and went on to make me wings so i wore a white t-shirt and she took she found she made like straps and made kind of like backpack wings out of wire hangers and put a filter in between the hangers in the shape of the wings and then put feathers on it so i had like these these backpack wings that she, these diy wings that she made and doing like research about Pegasus and finding out Pegasus, by the way, for the listeners, way more than a pony with wings. I mean, just the dopest origin story I've ever heard. I mean, just really awesome. And so I wrote this thing and I remember just kind of bolting out on stage, starting with all the confidence that I don't know where I got it, but just bolting out on stage and doing this speech that I had memorized and that was like the first time that I got like audience response and laughter. And of course it was all my fourth grade classmates. So they would laugh at 
a pin dropping, but it was like felt so good because I was like such a shy kid. So for me to just like bolt out with all this confidence and just yell and project this monologue about Pegasus while having wings on and you know, it was it was so great. I remember, I vividly remember, I had a crush on someone who wasn't in my class, but she was in fourth grade. And after my performance, I went off stage and she like complimented me. And I was like, yes, like it was just the best thing. It's still, as that was like over a decade ago and it still brings me joy. <laughs> so that that's probably my favorite theater memory because it was just pure and innocent. And it was no, it was it was just me doing something for the first time and and really just loving it and getting a response i love that that's amazing yeah you need to go mom too that's awesome honestly shout out to mom on that shout out i just i love that i love the fact that you just you all the confidence in the world and you dove headfirst into that that's just amazing thank you so much for sharing that incredible memory are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug for you? Yeah, this weekend, I don't know when this can come out, but this weekend being the weekend of the last weekend of June, I am heading to Atlanta. I have a show with Atlanta Shakespeare Company. It's my play, The Miseducation of the Young Miss Cassie Jones. That's going to be on July 1st, 2023, at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time in Atlanta, Georgia, with the Atlanta Shakespeare Company at the Shakespeare Tavern Playhouse. Um, my sh- Now I'm just being extremely specific to make sure I don't mess anything up. My play, The Miseducation of the Young Miss Cassie Jones, will be there. And then the week after that, on July 14th in, in North Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. My show, Ain't No Fairy Tales in Section 8, is having a reading with the Road Theater, and that's 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And yeah, I think those are the two the two biggies coming up that I'll be traveling with. So if you're in Atlanta or L.A., come say hello and buy a ticket. Yes. And finally, for our listeners, want more information about the former Kings of Clutch City or about you or any of your other works, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Yeah, you can do that. You can go on my website, which I don't know how to plug that. Just type in my name and it should be one of the first things that come up. And you can also find me on Instagram, which is just at my name, Chris Eli Black. I spend way too much time on there anyway. I should do something useful while I'm there. So please do reach out and tell me just, Message me on there and tell me to get off of there. Don't introduce yourself. Don't do any. Just send me a random message saying, Chris, get off Instagram. Go right. <laughs> you have deadlines. And I will say thank you, stranger. But yeah, you can you can reach out to me through those avenues. My email is on my website. So, so yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about the former Kings of Clutch City and about your upcoming works and everything else. Thank you so much. Thank you. My guest today has been the playwright Chris Eli Black, whose newest work, The Former Kings of Clutch City, just finished its run with the Downtown Urban Arts Festival. He has a couple of other shows coming up, both in Atlanta and North Hollywood. And you can find all the details about that by reaching out to him either on Instagram at Chris Eli Black or check out his website, chriselibblack.wixsite.com. 
Make sure if you're in Atlanta or North Hollywood in the upcoming days, you buy your tickets and go out and support this great artist. And I'm sure that's not the last we're going to be hearing from him because I have a feeling the former Kings of Clutch City will be making a return in a brand new production. It's a wonderful show, along with a lot of Chris's other work. So make sure you check out Chris Eli Black. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of Cape if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. The lights of old.